Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. And if you don't have your Bible with you today, you can look on the screen. In Colossians 2, 11, the Bible says, When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Baptism is a Big Deal. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for this church, this place that you've given us to be able to gather together in your name. And I ask you now, God, to speak to us from your word. God, I pray that you'd anoint me to say the things that would honor you. God, I pray that you would draw us closer to you, Lord. Give us true insight today into what you would have us do in Jesus' name. Amen. We're talking about baptism. Look, It looks like the whole city of Jacksonville is getting baptized right now. Um, our parking lot is underwater in certain places. I pulled up, and I didn't see Elder Keon Park. Listen, we don't have any assigned parking spaces, but uh, you got to really be out. Sometimes I pull up in the place I normally park, uh, and people are in it, I'm like, maybe I should have. When we moved here, there was a sign, and it said, Bishop Parking Only. I thought, well, that's kind of harsh. I should have left that sign up. But <laughs> we don't have assigned parking spaces, but I noticed Elder Keon parked in a different spot than he normally parks. I always like it when he parks next to me because he's not going to sling his door open into my ride. Uh, and he's going to let his children sling his door open. And I noticed he's not parked there. And then I saw uh, the church administrator didn't park where she normally parks. And one of them is normally next to me and the other one's next to the other one. And so I asked Dean, I'm like, well, everybody scared to park next to me today? What's going on? She said, you don't see that giant puddle? I wonder if anybody's in it now. If you park next to me, you stepped in some water. Ba say baptism. We're talking about baptism this morning, and I am going to be a little teachy today because I want to make sure that everybody who is affiliated with our church, both here and around the nation, with over 60 nations listening uh, worldwide, to know what the Bible teaches about baptism. People have their own theories about religion. People develop their own ideas, but that is just bad theology. We don't need our own ideas about what the Bible teaches because the Bible says that it is of no private interpretation. It can't mean one thing to you and a different thing to someone else. It means the same thing to us all. So let's talk about baptism from a teaching aspect this morning. We'll kind of be like a Wednesday night Bible study, but I want you to plug in and listen. If I asked you, what is baptism? And you had to stand up and take the microphone right now and describe it to us. Well, let's just go with it without the microphone. Somebody tell us, uh, what's baptism?
All, all, all I heard was, and that came from here all the way over to here. Um, but everybody had, had their own thing, and I'm sure most of it was on point. But here's what baptism is. Baptism is an ordinance. Say ordinance. There are two ordinances that the Lord left his church uh, when he went to heaven. Two Two things. I'm going to show you what an ordinance is first. An ordinance is a religious ritual whose intent is to demonstrate an inherent's faith. Now, that word ritual has fallen out of favor in the church world because New Age churches, postmodern churches, mega churches always want to attack tradition and ritual and religion as if any of those things in and of themselves are wrong when they are not. But in ordinance, it's a religious, a religious ritual whose intent is to demonstrate and inherit the person who follows that teaching's faith. And there are two in the New Testament that Jesus said that we must participate in, and those two are baptism and the Lord's Supper. And we're going to be baptizing some people this month, and it's not just going to be the people who got saved. If you're sitting here thinking, well, I didn't get saved last week, uh, it's, that doesn't mean you're not a candidate for baptism. If you think, well, I've already been baptized, that doesn't mean you're not a candidate for baptism. I've been baptized several times myself, and we're going to see today, for some of us, not for the first time, how important it is to get baptism on the proper side of your salvation. I got, I walked in, I prayed a prayer, shook the preacher's hand. He told everybody, you know, little Scotty Becker is coming today uh, uh, by profession of faith. If you rejoice in his profession, let it be known by saying amen. And they clapped and they said amen. And I thought, I'm in the club. They accept me. And I thought I was saved and I got baptized. And years later, when I came to a true salvation experience, my pastor said, Scott, we need to get you on for baptism. I'm like, I got that covered, Doc. Did that when I was a kid. He's like, yeah, well, that one doesn't count. I'm like, why doesn't that one count? And he said, because according to Scripture, you have to get baptized after salvation. And some of you have, do not have your baptism on the proper side of your salvation. If you are here and you didn't get saved recently and you have your baptism on the proper side of your salvation, this sermon still applies to you because you need to know what the Bible teaches about what it teaches about. Are you following me? Every subject in the Bible is important. This is one of the keystone subjects in biblical importance, and you need to understand so when people talk to you about it, you have a biblical platform, not just what my church says or my pastor believes. And so we're going to get into this a little bit. What, what this is, the two ordinances that the Lord left, baptism and Lord's Supper, they are both a visual illustration. They are a living sermon, if you will. When Jesus sat down and took the bread and tore it apart, he said, this is my body which is broken for you. And then he took the cup and he said, this, this cup uh, is, is, is representative of my blood. And it was a living sermon. And baptism is very much the same thing. It's an illustration visually of something that has happened on the inside. Now, our focus, our theme for 2021. Anybody remember what our, what our theme for 2021 is? It's time. It's time. And for some of you, it's time to get baptized the right way. For some of you, it's time to get biblical baptism. 
Now, my mom, I remember when my mom, she's sitting right over there. I remember when I first got saved, and I started talking about my mom back getting saved. She's like, well, don't talk to me about salvation. I took you to church first week of your life. Who do you think who do you think taking you to church all those years? And I'm thinking, the church bus? But, but uh, then Dina got saved. We start tag-teaming uh, on my mom, and my, my mom... Uh, she, she's, before she came to Christ, and she came to Christ shortly after that, before she came to Christ, she, she was telling us all the reasons why we didn't need what we had found. And she's like, I, I, I took you to church. I don't even know. You, you, you said it back then that I was three days old. I don't know that I was really three days old. That might have been some mama-isms. But uh, she said, boy, I took, you were Christian. You, you weren't even a week old yet. I had, I had to priest pour water on your head when you were three days old. Was that true or was that a mommyism? <laughs> but it happened. You put me in a little white dress, had the Catholic priest dump water. I know you did. Um, listen, if your mama puts you in a white dress, because anybody ever seen one of these uh, Catholic baptism suits? Babies like this long, dresses like this long, right? Me, y'all know about them. No Catholics in the room? Anybody former Catholic in the room besides me? All right, a couple of y'all. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, I already told y'all the whole world used to be Catholic. Study the Holy Wars. If you didn't turn Catholic, they killed you. So, I mean, that's one way to grow a church. Uh, we <laughs> but anyway, I got water poured on me. Now, that in, in the Catholic world, that's called baptism. Um, some churches do baby dedication. Some churches do sprinkling. Some churches put it on a little uh, brush and shake it in your face. Um, but the Bible doesn't teach any of those methodologies. The Bible doesn't teach baby dedication or ba uh, baby baptism or infant, what churches call infant baptism. I've had people ask, can my baby get baptized? And I always, I always say the same thing. Sure, not here. But I'm sure somebody will. Well, why don't we baptize babies? Because it's not biblical. There's no baby baptism in the Bible. There's baby dedication. Jesus went to the temple when he was a baby, and his parents handed him to the priest, and the priest held him up before the Lord and prayed for him. That's very biblical. And everything we do, we want to have chapter and verse for it, and we're going to learn some chapter and verse today on baptism for this visual illustration because here, it's time. And some of y'all, some of y'all have been saved for a long time, and you still don't have your baptism right. And if you were baptized by any other means than going completely under the water and coming up out of the water, then you need to get baptized biblically because baptism involves immersion. The word baptize in our English language comes from a Greek word, baptizo, which means to fully immerse. And you know if you've been around for a while, I've told you many times that the New Testament was primarily written originally in Greek, and the Greek language is very picturesque, and you might have a picture of what the Greeks showed as baptism in your refrigerator. If you've got a jar of pickles in your refrigerator, uh, you've got a picture of what they're talking about. It is to get fully saturated, soaked, pushed under the water so that it makes an impact on your life. If you weren't baptized that way, then you haven't been baptized biblically, and it's time for you to take this action. Uh, why do we need to do these things? Well, I'll give you a couple of verses. Let's start with what Jesus said in Luke 6, 46, and this 
verse really applies to so many things, but we'll talk about it. Luke 6, 46 says, Jesus is saying this. He says, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Now, Lord, Lord is a, a specific way of speaking that was very common in the first century. Not just to say Lord, uh, Lord twice, but to say anything twice. Oh, oh, Eric, Eric. Now, so I've said his name twice. Now, the only kind of person that would say that is either weird or somebody you really think you know them well. A double enunciation signifies covenant, okay? Whenever you read a double enunciation, whenever you read a name said back-to-back -back in the Bible, it signifies that the person saying it thinks they're close. Now, we don't typically throw names together, but sometimes you got a pet name for somebody. You might call yours Bay or Honey or Hun or Dumpling or Sugar Pie or Baby Cakes or uh, I don't even want to go further than that. What is it, Dana? What's Scott call you? Okay, she don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and then see, those are private names that signify covenant. It means I know you. I know you better than other people know you. And so that's why Jesus said, why are you saying Lord, Lord? Like you, you hit, let me give you some 2021. You ready for, for some uh, uh, ghetto neckisms? That's a conflation of, of country and ghetto. Um, you don't know me like that. Do you get it? If, if, you, if you come to somebody too common and they tell you, you don't know me like that. You're talking to me like you know me like that. You don't know me. Jesus is saying, why, why, are you, why are you playing me? You act like you know, you keep calling me Lord, Lord. He, he knows they're fronting. And then he says, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? That's a dead giveaway. These people out there trying to make others think that they're following Jesus and their lifestyle doesn't prove it out. There's got to be some proof in the pudding. There, there's there's got to be some validation uh, to, uh, there's got to be some confirmation. There's got to be some, some possession of your profession. you got to really be changed to get on this level with God. And a lot of people call Jesus their Lord, and they intimate that they have covenant with him, but they haven't even done the basics of beginning your new life in Christ, which the two basics to begin your new life in Christ are salvation and baptism. You got to get saved first, then you got to get baptized. So here, here's the punchline. If you're here and you're not saved, get saved. If you're here and you are saved, get baptized. If you've been baptized but it doesn't meet the biblical criteria, do it the right way. It's not hard, but it's fantastic. Baptism, it's being immersed, it's being dunked in water. Now here's the thing. At that day and time, baptism, when they were baptizing in the first century, when John the Baptist was out there doing his thing, when Jesus got baptized, baptism was not just Christian. It predates John the Baptist. All different types of pagan religions had baptism, and what it was, it was a signification of that's who I'm with. I lay down my life in this water, and I come up with this group. It was an identification. It was like getting bled into a gang. Y'all don't know about that. Let me give a different analogy. Um, it, 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 it was like... Uh, getting hazed into a fraternity. It, 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 was, it was something that you had to do 
go through that other people could see. You're serious about saying, I'm part of this thing. And that's why if you study John the Baptist in the Gospels, you'll read where a bunch of people came and they wanted to be baptized. And he told them, you bunch of snakes and, and vipers, you religious liars, who warned you to flee the wrath to come? He said in the King James, he said, bring forth fruit, meat for repentance. Now, what he's, what he's saying there in, in understandable English is y'all are faking it. Y'all don't really want to repent. You don't want to get in this thing for real, and I won't baptize you. See, churches used to be really like that. Churches used to be like, mm, we're not sure if we want your membership. But then preachers found out if you preach real soft, and you make everybody happy every week, more people will come, and they'll bring more money, and you can put more money in your pocket. Well, the smart preachers filled with the Holy Ghost do what the Apostle Paul did, uh, and don't worry about that. You know what the Apostle Paul did? He had a job outside the church. He had his own tent-making business, so if times got lean in the church, uh, he didn't have to politic and placate the people, and that's why I've been making tents since way before I started. I've always worked outside the church. I've always been an entrepreneur. I've always had additional streams of income. I'll tell you about one. I thank God for everybody who prayed for me. Um, I closed on a house that I owned for cash money uh, in Eagle Landing, Oakleaf area. Uh, lived in that house for 10 years, uh, and it actually closed this week, and I was able to double my original purchase price and create some additional stream of income. That's why it don't phase me when rich people say, hmm, well, if you don't do it the way we want to do it, maybe we'll take our tithe somewhere else. Because I, I let them know. Well, that would be nice. Because you ain't running nothing around here. You don't control the church with money. And John the Baptist, was he was that kind of dude. He, he told him, look, y'all, he said, I won't baptize you because you're not for real. And there's so many people who go to churches today, they're not for real. They're networking, they're politicking, they're looking for a come up. They're trying to get you to buy their product, trying to sell you something. Listen, there's nothing wrong with doing business with your friends in the church. The Bible says we ought to do good to all people, especially to those in the household of faith. I, I, I always tell y'all, Elder Jim, you got a fence company. You want to get a fence built? Then go ahead and get your fence built. Melvin can fix, build anything. You want anything fixed, built? Talk to Melvin. Melvin has worked on my personal home. Melvin has worked on his church property. We got, we got talented, skillful people in here. You should be utilizing them. Nothing wrong with it. But if you come to church just for, to promote your business more than because you love Jesus, John the Baptist would run you out. And so will Scott. The, the almost used to be Baptist. So, it, but when John was doing it, people think that because they called him John the Baptist, he was the starter. He's not the starter. Baptism was not uniquely Christian. But it was a sign of saying, I'm part of this, and I give my life to this. I'm serious about this. So let's ask a couple of questions. Let's learn something. Let's pretend we're at Wednesday night Bible study. And I was going to teach this on Wednesday night, <clears throat> but I wanted to teach it on Sunday morning so everybody could hear it. And then it rained, so you're here, you're supposed to hear it. Can you, it's a yes or no question, can you go to heaven without being baptized? Yes, you can. Now, I'm glad so many people said that definitive yes, because here's the reality. There are several denominations inside the Christian church in the world today that preach you cannot go to heaven without being baptized. 
If, if those 15 people were in those, if we were in that denomination last week, when those 15 people stood up uh, saying that they prayed to receive Christ, they would have fired the baptism. They wouldn't have let you leave. They'd have baptized you in your clothes and sent you home wet because they don't believe you are saved <clears throat> until you get wet. I like what one person said. There's, there's not enough bleach or chlorine in that water to wash off your sin. That water ain't washing off nobody's sin. I like what one other preacher said. You can get baptized in every hole of water between here and California. She said, all the fish know you by first name. That will not save you. I like the way the hymn writer said, asked the right question, gave the right answer. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Only the blood of Jesus can cleanse you of your sins. But baptism is required. Ooh, people don't like to hear that. It's required to truly follow God. Can you, can you go to heaven by being baptized? No, it don't get you saved. Listen to what two of the most uh, needed to properly understand verses in all the Bible are. If you understand these two verses of the Bible, you're going to go far in your relationship with God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, period. I've been telling you for years, I'm going to tell you again, pay attention to the punctuation when you read. It'll perfect your understanding. Take what you read in bite-sized pieces. Get it in your spirit so you can digest it. Don't just gloss over everything. Pay attention to the punctuation. That period there is significant. God saved you by his grace when you believed, period. That is a complete thought. That is the matter. You didn't get saved because you're a good person. You can't get saved because you give money to the church. You can't get saved because you cut the grass at the church. You can't get saved by, by helping out. You can't get saved by carrying your Bible around. You can't get saved by quoting Scripture. You get saved by God's grace when you believe. The verse goes on to say, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. A lot of people taking credit for their salvation. I had a great pastor one time uh, when, when I was Scott the Baptist. Uh, his, his, his name was Dr. Harold Hudson, pastor of the Westside Baptist Church at 7775 Herlong Road, right, right around the corner, uh, right here in Jacksonville, Florida. And he used to say something all the time. And he's not the pastor there anymore, but he's a great man. And I, I finally had to go to his office and ask him. He used to say all the time, Smartest thing I ever did was to give my heart to Jesus. Or he'd say, the, the smartest decision I ever made was to get born again. And I kept thinking, man, you sound like you're taking credit for that. You sound like you're, you think your intellect played a role in that. You sound like you're saying you made a good decision and that's why you got saved. And I had to make sure that he understood that salvation is not something that you can take credit for. If you're saved at all, it's not because you made a good decision. If you're saved at all, it's not because you were smart. If you're saved at all, it's not because you chose God. The Bible says uh, he loved us before we loved him. And you can't take credit for real salvation. Verse 9 says salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. If you could get saved by being baptized, you could take credit for it. Well, what, what makes you saved? Oh, I got baptized. Carried my own towel and everything. You would be taking, well, I, people think that they're going to heaven because they're a good person. I, the number one answer I get, and this is mind-boggling, because I talk to people about salvation everywhere I go. I, I ask people everywhere I go. I don't ask them what church they go to. 
first off, first thing I ask people, are you a Christian? And almost everyone says, I hope so, or I'm trying to be, or I think so. Well, the Bible says these things have we written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. Don't, don't, don't bet eternity on a hope. Don't, don't, don't bet it on a I'm trying. But then when I begin to talk to them about real salvation and what the Bible teaches, and I, and I ask people, are they truly born again? Uh, and I get this, and it, mean, it has nothing to do with salvation, but I hear it all the time. Well, I never killed anybody. Well, that's good to know. I mean, but that's no criteria for getting into heaven. Well, I'm a pretty good person. Well, that's good to know too, but that's no criteria for getting into heaven either. The Bible says you can't, you can't get salvation as a reward for the things you've done. You can't get into heaven by being baptized because that's something that you have to do. So let me ask you another question. Can you go to heaven without being baptized? The Bible says, Whosoever believed and is baptized shall be saved. Can you go to heaven without being baptized? All right, now we got less def definitive answers coming at me now. But the answer still is yes, say yes. Case in point, you got to have Bible for everything. You just can't have, well, I think. I mean, so a lot of people have that, but they're self-deceived. Well, what, what I believe about God, listen, don't have a belief about God. Have what the Bible says about God. Don't have personal convictions. Have biblical convictions. Don't have your own concepts. Have biblical concepts. The Bible has truth. It's not, well, my truth. No, your, your truth is false and shaky. The truth of the Word of God is established forever in heaven. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus told the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. That thief on the cross didn't get baptized. I mean, maybe, maybe sometime in his earlier life, but it wasn't real salvation because he didn't get real salvation until he called out to Jesus as Lord on the cross and asked him to remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he didn't have time to get baptized, but Jesus said he was still going to heaven. I told you there are denominations out there that teach you are not saved unless you have been water baptized. Those denominations um, are not completely horrible, but they are wrong in this area. And I want you to hear that again because here's the, the, the trap of the devil. The devil wants you to think that because a person is wrong in one area, they are completely worthless in everything. The devil wants you to think because somebody doesn't have it all together here, mm, you just don't write people off wholeheartedly. That's throwing the baby out with the bathwater. That's not what God wants you to do. I don't throw away an entire denomination. I don't throw away the church of Christ because they don't believe in having instruments in their church. They're still, they're still, you still get saved in the church of Christ. They're still preaching the Bible in the church of Christ. They just don't have it all right. Let me, give you, let me just help you with that. Nobody has it all right. But one thing we can be sure of, you can't go to heaven without being baptized because the Bible teaches that. All right, next question. When should somebody get baptized? I already told you, but I'm going to go over it with you real quick. After real salvation. The reason I say after real salvation is because the Bible talks about true brethren and false brethren. Scripture says there are false brethren among us. Now, the Bible says there's nothing new. What was will be. What was is and will be. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God never changes. The same problems that plague mankind then 
are plaguing mankind now. There were false brethren in the first century. And I want to tell you something for sure. There's false believers in this room right now. Guarantee you that. You're not saved just because you're sitting here in this church. Well, I came to church in the rain. Whoa, whoop-de-doo. Didn't make you saved. You, you can sleep in your garage tonight. Don't make you a car. I mean, that, that's, that's an effort. That, that's something that you do. Salvation not based on the good things that you do. If it was, you could brag about it. But if you ever get real salvation, you'll be humble about it, and you'll realize he saved me when he didn't have to, and he'd been better to me than I deserve. And it was just by his grace that I'm going to make it. And if you get that, listen, you stop being so judgy. You stop being so critical. You stop, hmm, well, I just don't believe Sister So-and-So is saved because I heard she did blah, 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 blah. Well, if salvation not based on the good things that she did, lostness ain't based on the bad things that she did. Well, I just don't believe that this type of person could be born again. But you think you can be born again? Oh, one of the biggest kicks in my mouth I ever got from my bishop. We were riding to Texas um, to do some, some preaching thing. And we were talking about different ministers uh, that were, were in our group. And I said, ah, oh, Bishop, I don't believe that brother saved at all. I think he's one of them false brethren the Bible talking about. So, you know, he's going to give me enough rope to hang myself. And he said, well, tell me about it, Scott. What you, what you, what you know about so-and-so? I said, well, he did this and he did that, and I just don't believe somebody like that would be saved. I just don't believe that his heart is fully into Christ. I, I, I heard this and that and the other thing, and some of it may be a lie, but I know some of it personally to be true. Uh, I've witnessed some of it myself. And, uh, but, and so I just go on and on and on. And he said, so... He not, he's not a Christian? I said, I don't think so. He said, oh, so you don't think he's a Christian? I said, no, sir, I, I, don't, I don't believe he's a Christian. He said, but you believe you're a Christian? Yes, sir. He said, well, here's the thing, Scott. I've known you for a long time. Let's talk about you. He said, now, have you ever, but you call yourself saved? Have you ever not perfectly followed God? In every step, but you think he's not a Christian because he don't measure up. But you think you're a Christian, and let me give you a, let me let me give you some knowledge. You don't measure up either. I said, you know, sir, I'm just gonna shut up and drive because I don't know anything. But it was the beginning of a transformative process in my life where I began to stop judging people. And stop thinking that this person can't be saved or they don't love God. If they love God as much as I do, they would this, 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 and this. Tell you something, you don't know that person's heart. You don't, you don't know what they go through. You don't know the chastisement that they're under. And you don't know the pain of their heartbreak. Well, the Bible says by their fruits. Listen, if you walk around quoting by their fruits, ye shall know them. I probably, almost certainly, doubt your salvation. Because you think salvation is based on works. Yes, the Bible says it, and we should quote it and believe it and understand it. And it is true. You will know people by the way they live, but not all the time. And man looks on the outward, but God looks on the heart. 
and you can't see what's going on inside somebody's life. And if you ever get true salvation, you're going to be so humbled that God saved you when he didn't have to. Uh, you're going to be so thankful that God knows everything about you and hadn't kicked you out yet. You're going to be so thankful that God hadn't exposed. All these people want these preachers to be exposed. Every time some pastor, and we, they just some big pastor just made a mess of his whole church again, uh, got caught doing a bunch of stuff, and everybody's all upset and quitting. Well, I, and, and then, then you got the religious crowd. It's like, mm, I knew he was a phony. I'm glad that now the whole world knows. Really? You want the whole world to know about you? You just want your five worst moments put on the big screen? Which, who wants to start with that? I, I, I want to get into your stuff. You want everything about you to be? Well, I knew. I knew he was sketchy. Newsflash. I'm going to say it like I feel it. Everybody's sketchy. But Jesus. That's why we need salvation. And if you ever really truly understand salvation, you'll get up off other people. And you'll let God deal with them. And you'll just be so humbled and thankful for your own salvation. You'll be caught up in a love affair with God. So who should, when should somebody get baptized? After real salvation. There's a real salvation and there's a false salvation. Thank you, Lord. There's a real salvation and there's a false salvation. Some people know that they're not saved and they're just putting on a game. That's not even who I'm talking about. It's the people who have deceived themselves by thinking that they're really saved when they're not. And that's why I think that some of the scariest verses in the Bible are found in Matthew chapter 7 when Jesus said, Many will say to me in that day, on judgment day, Lord, Lord, there's that double enunciation, that's covenant. That means I know you. We're, we're together on this thing. Lord, Lord, I prophesied in your name. I did many wonderful works. I cast out devils. It don't matter if you're a demon-chasing, Bible-quoting, great preacher, miracle worker. That don't make you saved. Are you born again? God used a donkey to preach. You, you, you don't get saved just because you're a pastor. I personally believe that the majority of pastors preaching are not truly born again. I think they just found a, a, a job that they thought they could do. Well, who are you to say that? I'm going off the authority of the Word of God. The Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. The Bible says that the road to heaven is narrow, and few there be that find it, but the road to hell is wide, and many there be that go in thereat. The, the parable of the sower, the seed, and the soil says that the seed fell on four different grounds. Only one of them produced fruit. That means three out of four is lost. Don't believe your own theory. Too many people are going to be shocked. You're going to get to heaven and Jesus is going to be like, your name's not in this book. And you're going to be saying, but I went to Abundant Life. I was on the deacon board in 1978. My great-grandfather, I've heard this one. I ask people, are you saved? Well, I think so. My, my, my great-grandfather was, 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 was a 33rd-degree mason. He laid the chief cornerstone. On, on the Shiloh Baptist Church in the original building. That makes you saved? Do you see how ridiculous people are? This has nothing to do with salvation. You can, there's, there's only one coattail you can ride into heaven on. And it ain't mamas, it ain't daddies, it ain't grandmamas, it ain't your deaconess, your prophetess, or your preacher. If you are not fully embracing Jesus Christ and he is not fully embracing you, heaven will not be your home. 
You need to get true salvation. And after true salvation, you get baptism. Well, Pastor, you say we got to have Bible. You got to have chapter and verse on everything. I'll give it to you. Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian eunuch is right coming back from church. He came along, he came from Africa to Jerusalem from Queen Candace of Africa to bring millions of dollars of offering to this God, Jehovah. And not because she believed in Jehovah. She's like, I, lots of pastors I know, they give to all the different candidates. In case one of them wins, they'll be in favor. I don't give to any of them because I only serve Jesus. And y'all know I don't play, play for politicians. They're all the same to me. They're like professional wrestlers. They claim they're different. They claim we're the good guys, they're the bad guys, when in reality, they all go, they, they, they all go to the same clubs at night. They all eat at the same uh, expensive places, send their kids to the same private schools. But Candace was playing that, you know, we're going to give to all these different gods because she had all the money. She's going to give to all these different gods to make sure that she had her bases covered. There's still people like that today. Well, you know, I'm a member of this church and that church and the other church just in case. Well, that tells me you don't have any sure foundation of where you are. So this Ethiopian eunuch, he's coming back from having given the big offering. Philip, Philip the evangelist ends up getting transported into his chariot. And he, he, the eunuch's reading the Bible. And the, the, Philip says, do you understand what you read? And this dude was so smart, smarter than the average church member by far. He said, how can I accept someone teach me? I thought, oh, my Lord, we got a teachable person here. Well, God can do something with a teachable person. I told you God was looking for fat people. This, this brother, this brother might well, he was one-third to fat. What's faithful, available, and teachable? He said, how can I unless someone teach me? So Philip begins to tell him all the Scripture, and, and God is moving in this person's life. If you've ever been there when somebody decided to get saved, if you've ever been there at the moment where somebody accepted Christ, listen, you can't mess that up. When, when I train people in evangelism and altar ministry, they're like, well, I don't want to say the wrong thing. And then, nah, you can't mess it up. When God is drawing somebody, they, they're finally going to look at you. Like, like the Ethiopian eunuch looked at Philip. He said, what's stopping me from getting baptized right now? He said, there's a hole of water. It's what I want. And the man of God said, you can only get baptized if you believe with all your heart. And then the eunuch said, I believe. And they stopped that chair, and they got out, and they dunked him in that water. Baptism is to follow real salvation. That's why I've had multiple baptisms. That's why some other people in this room have had multiple baptisms. And that's why there's some people in this room that needs to have a new baptism. If you haven't been baptized since you got real salvation, then you need to get Baptism. If you haven't had biblical salvation, which is to go all the way under the water. Now, as a multiracial church on design, we didn't just happen to become multiracial. It takes a lot of work to be a multiracial church. That's why there's not many of them in the world. One of the greatest preachers, I don't agree with all his theology, but if you've ever listened to him for five minutes, you have to understand he is one of the greatest orators. It's funny because he has a speech impediment, but he's the greatest storyteller, I believe, to ever pick up a microphone, Bishop T.D. Jakes. Uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes, could, he could tell you a sad story. I'm telling you, he could tell a story so sad. Uh, he could tell a story about a dog make a cat cry. He is just a great storyteller. Um, he has got a, a great gift 
of oration. Bishop Jakes, when he moved his church from West Virginia to Dallas because he believed he was going to grow one of the largest churches in the world and he needed a big city to do it in and Virginia, West Virginia couldn't house him, his church started the first three months 80% white. When in three months, it went all black, and it continues to be predominantly, and by predominantly, I mean 90-plus percent black. Why? It's difficult to have a multiracial church. Why? Because racism is alive and well in America. It's difficult to have a multiracial church. Why? Because people want what they want. Now, I'm not saying all, all white people want church one way or all black people want church a different way, but can we be honest enough? Uh, in the house of God with our brothers and sisters to admit there's some cultural differences in church, in the way, you know, white people sit there with their little paper and pen, and, and they're, you know, Kyrana got all her notes in front of her and wave at everybody, Kyrana, so they know how white you are. Um, <laughs> it's not everybody, but, you know, some people sit in church quiet, only uh, never raise their hand. Only time they raise their hand is if they're ducking out. You know, you're taught to do that. In, in, in Kojic churches, you had to leave like this. Uh, what, what, you know, I'm, 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 I'm all nervous acting. But there's some cultural differences. And one of the cultural differences comes in baptism. And how many of y'all know? There are people, I, I'm telling you, people in this room, if they'll be honest, there are people in this room. And this, this might go white and black, but I'm telling you my experience. I have seen this fear, and I'm talking about irrational fear, of African-American women. Don't want to get in a baptismal pool. <laughs> Cheryl's got her hand up. She's like, uh, and I've had people tell me for 20 years of pastoring this church. Mama told me don't get in water. I can't see my feet. And then you got the hair issue. How, how many of y'all know? You ain't trying to get that hair wet, are you, Kyron? Are you like, and, 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 and how many of y'all know? Hey, bad weave comes off in baptism. That was your fear? Yeah. Yeah. We have had, now listen. I don't know, you remember, you, you remember Dina? <laughs> ah, you remember that, Stacy? You know what I'm talking about? We, we had a woman, she was so scared to get in because she was worried about her hair. And I was, it, it, your fear shouldn't stop you from obeying God. Your culture shouldn't stop you from obeying God. I don't like heights. But if God said, I got to climb up on this roof and stare off the, Seth to tell you, man, we, we stay in these hotels. We were in Miami. We went to a heat game. We were in Miami. We stayed at this big old giant 35-story uh, place, and we stayed on the top floor, and it had an atrium where the balcony looked, and I, and I, I, I looked like this. And now I'm like, oh, no, that just makes me all. Anybody besides me, I just don't, I don't need to look over there. I ain't trying. But if God said to do that, then I would do that. Well, this one sister, she was like, I'm just worried about my hair. Um, and, I, and I guess, you know, she, she worried about it so long it happened. She, I don't know why she didn't get that hair tightened up. As soon as she went under, all that hair came off. She came up with it holding on. But listen, culture does not give you an excuse against it. And that's not even just all, just African-Americans. Some of you white women in here, y'all just worried about your due. Well, I, I can't get baptized this month. I just, I, I just had my hair done. 
I I, I know. I, I don't know how often you go now. You, you used to go what every every Tuesday to see Connie. How often did you go? Once a month? Once a week? Seemed like every week. Huh? Oh, what's happening? Once a week. How you doing, Connie? So my mom go get her hair done by this one for I mean going back thirty years, um or, or more forty years. 40 years, see, every what, Tuesday, Thursday, whatever day, huh? Every Thursday, going, could you, could you see me telling my mom, oh, by the way, that, all that money you just spent on Connie, we about to wreck that on Sunday because I'm pushing you under the water. Listen, your hairdo is not as important as you obeying the word of God. You got to get baptized. Some of y'all just need, it's time. This, this is 2021. It's time. I've been telling y'all God put that in my spirit for 2021. It's time. Listen to what the word says in Colossians 2, and we'll get out of here. In Colossians 2, 6, the Bible says, And now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. It does not stop. This is where most people fail in their walk with Christ. They get saved, and they think, okay, I'm saved, and it's over. And it's, that's just the beginning. It's a new birth. You're a baby in Christ. This is the starting point. And just as you accepted him, you must continue to follow him. Fellowship is not optional for a real Christian. You don't get saved because you follow him, but if you are saved, you will follow him. It, 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 it's like Deacon Ken doesn't have to show his wife love every day to be married. They're already married. There's no change in that. He's married whether he should, but if he really, if he really loves her and, and wants to be married to her, he's going to show her love. Are you following me? We don't love God and serve God to get saved. We love God and serve God because we are saved. Are you following me? It's relationship. And the Bible says, just as you accept him. How did we accept him? By faith. You got to continue to follow him by faith. And a big step of that. Is baptism. Verse 11 in Colossians 2 says, When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. Now, here's, let me give you a little context, and I won't keep you long, but I want you to understand Colossians was written to Christians in a city called Colossae. The majority of the people that this, this book was written to were Gentile converts, Gen, adult Gentile converts. Now, let me say this. Um, I didn't choose. Well, we're talking about circumcision. I guess we can, you know, we just get, we ain't going to get too raw. I didn't choose to be circumcised. That's her fault. Um, my, my, my mother decided that for me. Seth didn't choose circumcision. I thought, well, they did it to me. They'll do it to him. Little small children, they don't have no deciding in that. And they don't remember how painful it was, although I'm sure it was a train wreck of a nightmare. Now, think about these adults in this city, Colossae. They come to this mostly Jewish religion. All the people that were teaching this new way in Christ, and that was what Christianity was originally called, the way. All, all these people that were teaching the way were Jewish people. And they had all been circumcised. And a lot of them had bad theology. And you know what they were telling these brand new Christians? 
that were from Gentile backgrounds, now you got to get circumcised. No real anesthesia, no real scalpel, just one you know, sharp rock and let's get this work done. Now, I don't know about you, but I thank God it's 2021 and there ain't no requirement. Listen, there was no requirements there. Paul eventually had to go to the council in Jerusalem and say, look, are we really going to force these Gentiles? The Gentiles were scared that they were going to be forced to be circumcised. And listen, that didn't make them bad believers. No grown man is about that life. Trust me on that. No grown man is like, you know what I like to do? I'm 57 years old right now. I just think I want to try it. And so, but these false teachers are saying you have to be circumcised. So God inspires Paul to come along and say, you've been circumcised. Not by a physical procedure. You weren't done. You, you haven't been circumcised by the cutting away of the flesh made with hands. You've been circumcised by the cutting away of the sin nature on your heart. It says Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sin nature. Now, let me tell you, every man in Colossae that had just gotten saved and embraced the way of Christ did this. Because I was wondering. There is a spiritual circumcision. When you read the Bible, you should take it literally when you can, but sometimes the language is figurative, and baptismal language is figurative. And the circumcision that he's talking about, it's not the physical procedure that some of the false teachers were saying they needed. What they needed was salvation more than circumcision. Verse 12 says, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Now, the people that are sitting there saying, what do you mean I was buried with Christ when I got baptized? I got baptized, but I don't feel like I was buried. I, you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God. Well, I'm still here. This is figurative language. It's an outward demonstration of what's gone on on the inside. See, in Old Testament times, all followers of Jehovah, all male followers of Je Jehovah had to be circumcised. You've heard me talk about the door checker before. David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to sit on thrones with kings. Well, that sounds all homo. People are like, I'd rather be a janitor in heaven than, than, than the mayor in hell. Well, you don't really understand what the doorkeeper was in the Jewish church in that day and time. The doorkeeper was a dude that stood at the door and said, all right, let's go. Come on, pull that. Let me see it. And everyone had to show their circumcision to come into church. Uh, you want that, John? You want to be the doorkeeper? You want to check everybody on the way in? Um, circumcision was the sign of covenant for Old Testament. So these Colossians, there were these people from Colossae, they were scared to death. They're going to have to be circumcised physically. God is teaching there's a spiritual circumcision that happens in baptism. Baptism is about dying and coming to new life. These are figurative terms. In verse 13, it says, You were dead because of your sins, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. If you have not experienced something that resembles verse 13 in this text, then your salvation is religion and not salvation. Then your salvation is not true biblical salvation. It is only church. And what you believe about your salvation is false. 
and it will not get you in heaven. If you have not been dead in your sins and your sinful nature has not been cut away and you have not been made alive in Christ because your sins have been forgiven, then you have not found real salvation yet and you still need to get it. Verse 14 says he canceled, great news here, we're going to get out of here. He canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. You can throw up somebody's garbage to them all you want to. You can drag Richard Calvert off to the side and say, yeah, well, I heard you did this. Well, I heard you did that. Well, I heard you did the other thing. You call yourself a Christian man. You in here fronting. You married this woman. You say y'all spiritual and love the Lord. What about all the trash you did? And Richard ought to be able to say what every real Christian ought to be able to say. He canceled the record of charges against me. And he did. Listen, this is total amnesty y'all this is this is a judicial decree the judge said they can't put you in jail for that that's what real salvation is about having the record of sin against you nailed to the cross you got to die to your old way of life in Galatians 2 20 Paul said I've been crucified with Christ not literally figuratively he gave up his old way of life he said it's no longer I who live but Christ lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There's got to be this transition where you stop being who you were and you become who he wants you to be. It's not something you can make happen on your own. That's why some people that come to church are frustrated with God, bitter about church, because they're trying to be who they think that they're supposed to be, but they don't have the power of God on the inside of them to make them who God wants them to be. Nobody can live the Christian life but Christ. And if you get saved, he lives inside of you. In Romans 6, 4, the Bible says, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. You didn't get saved by baptism. This is a figurative speech. There's a spiritual baptism that saves you. It's when you get fully into Jesus, because baptism means to be immersed, to be submerged, completely covered over. When that, hap that happens to you at the moment of your salvation. Your spiritual baptism happens at the moment of your salvation. Your physical baptism that we're going to do this month for whoever signs up, that is an illustration on the outside of what's already happened on the inside. That's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 10, where he said, if you will confess me before people, I confess you before my father on judgment day this is a standing up even as they did in the first century uh when john the baptist was baptizing this is saying i'm all in times 10 this is what i'm about i've done with my old self and i'm coming alive to my new self that is really what baptism is all about one last question and we're done why should you get baptized that's always my answer for everything as far as following God, because God said so. My mama did not negotiate with me growing up. She never explained anything to me. She didn't tell, listen, all you telling little Timmy why he shouldn't throw the can of green beans in the grocery store, stop telling him that. It's giving my mama, he'll quit throwing him green beans. Because I said so, I learned that early in life. If authority figure tells me so, I just do it. I ain't one of these people that just do it. Listen, I tried that bucking authority role. It don't win. What did what, what John Cougar Mellencamp say? I fight authority. 
Authority always wins. Listen, you find yourself to fight against God, you will not win that battle. But I got a different answer for you here. I'm, I'm throwing a curveball at you. When I knew you were going to say because I, God said so. Why should we get baptized? Not only because God said so, but because Jesus got baptized. And he's our perfect example. In Matthew 3.13, the Bible says, Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. You see what Jesus is doing? Now, Jesus is not going under the water to wash away sin. Jesus is not going to get baptized so he can be saved. He's already in perfect communion with the Father. He's going to the river to get baptized because baptism is required. He's going to the river to get baptized because he wants everybody to know, I'm a part of this message right here. Verse 14, but John, now remember, John's his cousin in the natural. John tried to talk him out of it. John says, I'm the one that needs to be baptized by you. Why are you coming to me? John's like, you, the Lord, you're Messiah. If anybody's going to be baptized, let's, let's change up. You baptize me. He, John the Baptist, com, coming off hard to all those Pharisees, coming off soft to Jesus. And in verse 15, Jesus said, it should be done. Listen, for we must carry out all that God requires. Look at it again. Jesus said, it should be done. Why should you get baptized by immersion? Because it should be be done why should it be done we must carry out all that God requires this is a requirement for every Christian Jesus our perfect example did it if Jesus did it you ought to do it and Jesus said that God requires it and God hasn't changed his mind about his word and the Bible goes on to say so John agreed to baptize him listen to this great transition that happens Verse 16 says, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, not a dove. A dove didn't fly on Jesus. It was the Spirit of God that was like a dove and settling on him. Verse 17 says, and a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. I want you to know when Jesus got baptized, he went down into that water, and as he came up out of the water, heaven opened up over him. God spoke blessing over his life. He stepped into his most unique anointing, and he went from that day forward accomplishing the mission that God had set him forth to do. And I believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he is no respecter of persons. And what he requires from one, he requires from all. And what he does for one, he does for everybody. And here's what I believe, and you need to believe about baptism. And it's what we're going to believe for everybody who gets baptized here this month. This this is why we clap when they come up out of the water. This is why we rejoice and say hallelujah when they come up out of the water because I believe the never-changing God, when they come up out of that water, even when Jesus came out of that water, that God opens up heaven over them and God speaks blessing into their life. And God is happy. Look at what he says in the end. This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Don't you want to bring God great joy? Get baptized. Don't you want to bring God great joy? Do what he requires. Don't you want to be all in with this Christianity? If you have not been biblically baptized, you need to get this done. Because listen, we all disappoint God many times. We all fail. The Bible says a righteous person falls down six times, even seven. 
for a Christian, falling down is, 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 is not the end. That's just a learning experience. That's a teaching opportunity. It's about getting back up. But here's a chance to really bring God great. If you're saved, God has brought you joy. And you ought to want to bring Him some joy. So here it is. You get saved. If you're here and you're not truly born again, listen, if you're not sure that you're sure, you need to get saved for real. Then after that, you need to get water baptized. And I'm talking about dunked all the way in. Y'all going to see it this month. Then people that fight me, they resist, and I just plant, I, I put my hand right below. Don't, don't do it, Cheryl. They just resist. I just put it right there, and it's 226 pounds of pushing down, and you're in the water. You're going backwards, under, all the way. Why? Because God requires it. Not only that, Jesus did it. And not only that, it brings God great joy. You ought to want to bring God great joy. Get saved. Get baptized. Bring God great joy. Live a new life. And then go to heaven. That's what this whole thing's about, y'all. And I want you to be. Like that old hymn writer said. In that song, When the Saints Go Marching In. I love that part where the heart cries out. Oh, I want to be in that number. I want you to be in that number. I want you to be in that number that calls heaven home. I want you to be in that number that pleases God. You need to get saved if you're not saved. You need to get water baptized by immersion. You need to find heaven as your home. I want everybody in this room today to get close to God before we leave. I don't know what your need is, but God does. If you're here and you need salvation, you don't need to walk this aisle prayer, prayer, shake my hand. The Bible says if you search for him with your whole heart, you'll find him. The Bible says if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. The Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart you believe unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you will call on God and really mean it. Some of you have tried that before and it didn't work. Now you know you're not saved for real. You know you don't have peace like a river. You know you don't have peace that passes all understanding. You know you don't have a real hookup with God. You need, well, what do I do, Pastor? Try it again with all your heart. Search for God. Call on Him. Ask Him to save you. If you're already saved and your baptism's not right, get signed up for baptism. If you're already saved and your baptism's in the right place, realize God speaks blessing over you and get busy about serving Him. Whatever decision you need to make for Christ today, we're not going to have a public altar call today. I'm not going to drag you down this altar, but I'm going to tell you this. God loves you, and He hears your prayer. And if you will ask Him, some of you need deliverance. If you'll ask Him to deliver you from whatever's binding you, He'll deliver you. He's a healing God. He's a saving God. He's a delivering God. He's a life-changing God. He's a miracle-working God. Whatever your need is, if you'll call on the Lord, He'll do it for you. Pray with me. God, thank you for salvation. Thank you for baptism, God. Thank you for anointing. Thank you for bringing us joy and allowing us to bring you joy. God, I pray for every need in this room today, Lord. For those who need salvation, Lord, I pray that you'd make them aware of their need. And I pray that you'd draw them by your spirit. God, I pray for those who don't have proper biblical baptism, Lord. I pray that you would give them a desire to follow you. Give them a passion that would say, I want everything that you have for me. God, let us serve you the right way, the biblical way. Teach us, God, every day. 
from your word, by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.